As I wait in his library The scent of tobacco And the silence of the room Are inside me
tracked you. Night, Mario, Paul said. He started off toward the shuttle. Then he stopped, reached in his pocket, and flipped a half dollar over the counter. Mario caught the big coin. I'll take the Sunday Times, Paul said, and picked up the newspaper. Hey, wait, Mario called back. It's only 25 cents. You've got a quarter coming. But Paul was already in the car. The door slid closed. He smiled and waved through the window. With a lurch, the train moved off, its lights glimmering away through the darkness. Tucker Mouse smiled, too. He liked Paul. In fact, he liked anybody who was nice to Mario. But it was late now. Time to crawl back to his comfortable niche in the wall and go to sleep. Even a mouse who lives in the subway station in Times Square has to sleep sometime. And Tucker had a big day planned for tomorrow, collecting things for his home and snapping up bits of food that fell from the lunch counters all over the station. He was just about to turn into the drain pipe when he heard a very strange sound. Now, Tucker Mouse had heard almost all the sounds that can be heard in New York City. He had heard the rumble of subway trains and the shriek their iron wheels make when they go around the corner. From above, through the iron grills that open onto the streets, he had heard the thrumming of the rubber tires of automobiles and the hooting of their horns and the howling of their brakes. And he had heard the babble of voices when the station was full of human beings and the barking of the dogs that some of them had on leashes. Birds, the pigeons of New York, and cats, and even the high purring of airplanes above the city Tucker had heard. But in all his days, and on all his journeys through the greatest city in the world, Tucker had never heard a sound quite like this one. For several minutes, there was only the whispering silence. Whatever it was that was making the sound had heard him coming and was quiet. Silently, Mario waited. Then he heard it again, rising from a pile of waste papers and soot that had blown against the concrete wall. He went down and very gently began to lift off the papers. One by one, he inspected them and laid them to one side. Down near the bottom, the papers became dirtier and dirtier. Mario reached the floor. He began to feel with his hands through the dust and soot, and wedged in a crack under all the refuse, he found what he'd been looking for. It was a little insect, about an inch long and covered with dirt. It had six legs, two long antennae on its head, and what seemed to be a pair of wings folded on its back. Holding his discovery as carefully as his fingers could, Mario lifted the insect up and rested him in the palm of his hand. A cricket, he exclaimed. Keeping his cupped hand very steady, Mario walked back to the newsstand. The cricket didn't move, and he didn't make that little musical noise anymore. He just lay perfectly still, as if he were sleeping or frightened to death.
Mario pulled out a Kleenex and laid the cricket on it. Then he took another and started to dust him off. Ever so softly, he tapped the hard black shell and the antennae and legs and wings. Gradually, the dirt that had collected on the insect fell away. His true color was still black, but now it had a bright, glossy sheen.
Oh, well, a young man ain't nothing in this world these days. I said, a young man ain't nothing in this world these days. In the old days, when a young man was a strong man All the people stand back when a young man walks by
Flat black plastic. Jonathan and Eddie are here. Mutinyradio.fm.
I'd guess. Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all... <laughs>
The spirit of John Coltrane leads us on today's journey on the morning train. I am your soul driver, J.D. Buell, and this is mutinyradio.fm and .sf. Thank you for joining me for today's ride. Thank you for supporting the station. We began with Albert Eiler in Greenwich Village. That was the name of the 1967 album recorded live in a couple locations. Greenwich Village, New York City. We heard four John Coltrane, and that was Eiler on the alto sax, Joel Friedman on cello, Alvin Silva bass, Bill Falwell bass, and Beaver Harris on drums. The great Albert Eiler recorded live in Greenwich Village. We then went to one of two Clifford Jordan quartets that appear on the double album Glass Bead Games, released in 1973, and that was the song John Coltrane. Clifford Jordan was joined there on tenor saxophone with Stanley Cowell on piano, Billy Higgins drums and percussion, and the song's composer Bill Lee on bass violin as it is presented here. Well, it's been another bloody week here in the United States of armed assault. Cops killing citizens and citizens killing cops. This is what they warned us would happen back in the 1960s if we peeled back the cover too far. And so here we are. The week began with the 4th of July, dubious holiday at best, but also the birth date traditionally attributed to Louis Armstrong. Thank you. 
there's Louis Armstrong in the Hot Five. Two selections from 1926. The Hot Five was, of course, uh, Satchmo on trumpet, Kid Ori trombone, Johnny Dodds clarinet, Lil Armstrong on piano, and Johnny St. Cyr on banjo. We heard Lonesome Blues and Sweet Little Papa. Well, we're going to continue today's ride on the morning train by heading down to the Fillmore East, 1971.
It's all. 